Sunday, November the 1st. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Today, as we look at those verses at the end of Philippians chapter 1, where Paul is talking about the pressure that he and the church at Philippi is in right now, their suffering, we are confronted with the conundrum of whether joy really can be experienced in the midst of suffering. This joy-filled letter is written at such a difficult moment in Paul's life and at such a difficult moment in the church at Philippi's journey. Were they really discovering joy in the midst of their suffering? I'm sitting down because I simply want this morning to tell you three stories. And after those stories, Claire's going to lead us in communion. And I hope you can see why uh, these two things lead into uh, one another. You see, in the midst of our suffering, when we're really hurting, and maybe this is poignant for you this morning because you're really hurting today. You're suffering in one kind or another. In the midst of our suffering, what we need is a tender touch. We don't need a theological treaty on understanding intellectually why there's suffering in the world. We can share that, of course, and there are so many important conversations to be had around uh, suffering in the world and, and why it exists and where is a God of love in the midst of it. Well, in fact, we'll explore that in just a, in just a moment. But so many intellectual conversations that we could have. But honestly, right now, if you're suffering today, if you know anyone who's suffering, no one's looking for a theological treaty. What people are looking for is a tender touch. And Father God in heaven gives us, in the midst of our suffering, not some long theological ramble, but he gives us a tender touch. The Bible says that God is close to the broken-hearted, near enough to touch. The stories of Jesus again and again, he touched him. He touched her, the leper, the woman with the issue of blood, whatever it was. He reached out and he touched them. And my invitation to all of us today in the midst of our suffering, and as we think about a world that suffers in war during this season of remembrance, that Father God wants to bring to each of our lives the tender touch of his son, Jesus. Let me share three stories and then invite you to share communion with us and receive for yourself the tender touch the Father gives us through his son, Jesus. Story number one. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a theologian at the time of the Second World War, living in the United States. But as a German, 
He went back home much against the advice of many people because he wanted to be with his countrymen in their hour of need and oppression. He was eventually arrested and imprisoned by the Nazis and, and suffered uh, uh, over a year in a, a very difficult uh, 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 imprisonment. But on the eve, the New Year's Eve of 1944, he, he wrote a letter uh, which included a poem. The poem was for his fiance. The letter went to his mum. And it was the last New Year's Eve. He would, in a few months, be executed by uh, the, the Nazis. And he wrote in this really desperate place of suffering, this place of bleakness and darkness. He wrote, by gracious powers, so wonderfully sheltered, and confidently waiting, come what may, we know that God is with us night and morning and never fails to meet us each new day. In other words, God's presence was real enough and big enough to overcome the suffering that he was Facing Later on in that poem, he talks about the joy that there is found in, in God. And, and the presence of God was greater than the experience. He was knowing the Father's touch, the tender touch of Jesus. Story number two is in a way much closer to home. And it's a story that... Joyce Blake told me. Joyce was a, a, a lifelong member of uh, Burlington with her husband Lionel. Uh, some of you will remember them. And Joyce would recount to me those wartime memories of when the air raid sirens would go off and she would be ushered as a child by her parents with her siblings into a cupboard under the stairs as a kind of protection from the uh, air raid, uh, uh, the, the planes coming, coming over. And she would talk about the kind of fear in that moment, the overwhelming sense of, uh, of, of, of possible fear and, and panic. And she said that they would sing hymns together under that staircase. And one of the hymns that she particularly remembered that, uh, that that she carried with her through the whole of her life was the hymn, There's a Wideness in God's Mercy that is wider than the greatest sea. There's a kindness in his justice which is more than liberty. For the love of God is broader than the measures of the mind and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. And then it goes on towards the end of the, the hymn. There is a joy for all the members in the sorrows of their heads. This incredible reality of the presence of God in the midst of suffering. The Father's love expressed through the touch of his Son Jesus in the midst of their suffering. And the final story is, uh, for me in a way, a bit more uh, personal. 
Come with me to Church Village, a small community in South Wales, uh, just over a hundred years ago, 1911. And watch as a young widow, full of grief, walks behind the coffin of her husband, who has suddenly and inextricably died at just 32 years of age. They'd shared such hopes and dreams as a couple. Between them, they had five adorable children who were all under eight. But for this young woman, the future looked bleaker and harder than it she might ever have imagined. No social security, no income support, a widow with no job, no occupation and five little ones to feed at the turn of the last century. And now she makes the long, lonely walk down the chapel aisle. Is she angry with God? Who could blame her if she was? Has her faith crumpled? Has the little light of God's love lit from earliest days in the Sunday school room at the back been snuffed out for ever? After some brief scriptures, the parson announces the opening hymn, a hymn that she herself has carefully chosen, thoughtfully and precisely for this moment, and the congregation rise and begin to sing, My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin I resign, my gracious Redeemer, my Saviour art thou. And then for me the killer line. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. How could she love Jesus now? It seemed just yesterday that she'd stood on that same spot, all dressed in white to be married. Now all is black and the possibilities of her life closed and constricted around her. To love him now? The hymn goes on, I'll love thee in life, I will love thee in death, and praise thee as long as thou lendest me breath. If ever I loved thee, my Jesus, tis now. How could she sing? How could she pray? How could she trust? How could she believe? Unless she knew, deep in her soul, in her heart, the Father's touch through Jesus, his son, unless she knew him and loved him. The experience of generations of people is that the father's touch through Jesus Christ is bigger than the greatest of sufferings. That no amount of words or theological uh, understandings or deliberations can reach the love of Jesus can reach in the midst of our suffering. Joy in the midst of suffering, a conundrum, absolutely. But this long history, this cloud of witnesses, of people who in the darkest moments have known both the presence of Jesus and also the promise of Jesus. That hymn that they were singing at that funeral just over a hundred years ago ends like this. In mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll ever adore thee in heaven so bright. I'll sing with the glittering crown on my brow. If ever I loved thee, 
my Jesus, tis now. Let's reach out. And as we reach out to him, he reaches out to us. Today, you probably don't need a theological treaty, but you probably need a tender touch. One of those five children of that widow was my great aunt, who for 95 years lived the whole of her life, knowing the joy of Jesus's touch. May that be our story. May that be our experience. A tender touch that transcends each and every situation. Joy in the midst of suffering, however strange and peculiar and unlikely that seems, that's the gift of Jesus to you and to me. Let's receive that gift as Claire leads us in communion now. Today is the 1st of November and so to begin our communion time I'm going to light this candle because we are going to remember over our communion that Jesus, the light of the world, came into a dark world and brought light and that light brought hope, that light brought peace, that light brought joy and that light brought a certainty of the love of God. So as I light that candle, why don't you just prepare your hearts, prepare yourselves. God is with us wherever we are right now. Why don't you invite him to meet you as we share communion together? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And so, light of the world, thank you for coming into this world. Thank you for bringing with you hope, joy, peace and the certainty of the Father's love. As we light this candle, we pause and recognise you are with us. And we thank you for your enduring love and your presence today. As we think of this candle lit we remember that you came into this world and this world was and continues to be a dark place. You came into the sadness. You came into the grief. You came into a world that was broken in so many ways. It was like the light had been turned off and darkness was engulfing the nations. Lord, we understand some of that darkness today. We think of our own situations and can spot darkness in it. We think of our own town, of our nation and of the nations across this world. And we can see darkness in many places. We stand firm though in the hope and the truth that Jesus, the light of the world, came into the darkness. It was like a light being turned on, a light that illuminated the Father's love, illuminated a different path to live by, illuminated hope and joy and peace. 
And so, Jesus, light of the world, we pray once again, come into the darkness that is in each of our lives. Come into the darkness that's in our circumstances. Come into the darkness of this town and of this nation, of this world, and bring hope, bring restored peace. May we become aware of your love. And may your light bring change in our lives, in our circumstances, in this town, in this nation and across the world. May your light bring change, we ask. So why don't you just now in the quiet, perhaps name somebody you know who's struggling in the darkness at this time or a situation which feels dark. Just name it before God right now. And let's declare together that Jesus, the light of the world, has come. And we ask for that situation or that person that you, the light of the world, would come and bring change in that circumstance. Bring change for that person. Bring change for that situation. And that they would know you, the light of the world, at this time. So we pray these things in Jesus' name, praying for one another as God's family and praying that the light of the world would shine brightly at this time. We have shared bread and we have shared wine and we stand in the certainty that Christ has died, but Christ has risen and that one day Christ will come again. Hallelujah. Amen.